Same-sex marriages could begin in California next month. Why would these be worse for the country than those already taking place in Massachusetts? And we'll ask a Crispel professor if the gifts of tongues and healing apply to the church today. Plus, we'll discuss Barack Obama's latest pastor problem. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Crispel College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. This is now the 872nd day since Senator Obama went to Iraq once. All right, that's John McCain. He is on the attack against Barack Obama. Barack Obama has a policy problem on Iraq. He also has a preacher problem. We're going to talk about that later. A new preacher, a white preacher. And he also has a primary problem. Hillary Clinton is still running against Barack Obama. We'll talk about it in the second segment. But here's some sound from a charismatic group called Morning Star Ministries. I looked in the mirror and I have two new gold teeth. Now, I don't, I don't mean to go fillings. They were porcelain, and now they are gold. Is God turning porcelain teeth into gold teeth? Well, we're going to talk about the charismatic movement. Is speaking in tongues, is that for today? Uh, do you believe in these healing services and ministries? Are all the gifts, the spiritual gifts, for today. We're going to talk to Dr. Barry Creamer about that at the half hour. You don't want to miss that. Well, it is quite possible that next week uh, or next month, the state of California will begin same-sex marriages, uh, and these licenses may begin to be issued next month. Here's a report by Bryant Thomas. California will begin issuing gay marriage licenses on the 17th of next month, but a group opposed to gay marriage has asked the state Supreme Court to put off its May 15th ruling, allowing gay marriage until after the November election. That's when it will try to have voters likely face a ballot initiative to define marriage as a Union between man and woman. One organization that may not be surprised by all of this is the Family Research Council. They have long uh, worked to stop same-sex marriage from spreading across, across the country. With us now is uh, Vice President for Policy at uh, FRC, Peter Sprigg. He also has a book uh, that's been out since 2004 that's still very, very current, Outrage, How Gay Activists and Liberal Judges Are Trashing Democracy to Redefine Marriage. Peter, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Peter, were you surprised or not surprised by the California Supreme Court decision? 
Um, I was, I was, I guess, somewhat surprised and, uh, of course, disappointed. But uh, since Massachusetts, since the Massachusetts decision in November of 2003, um, not a single other state has has gone uh, that far in in actually. Uh, having their state supreme court mandate uh, full recognition of same-sex marriage. And a number of states, including some liberal states like uh, New York and Washington and uh, Maryland, which is my home state, had their courts actually rule against same-sex mm-hmm. marriage. So um, w- we were uh, actually on something of a winning streak uh, until this uh, California decision. Peter Sprigg is with us, and here's another report from Bryant Thomas, because there's a new development this week. We just mentioned New York, and New York's governor is now directing state agencies to recognize gay marriages from other states. Governor David Patterson has directed state agencies to start recognizing legal gay marriages from other states and countries. Patterson is concerned that failure to do so would violate New York's human rights law. One opponent declined to comment on Patterson's move, but the Civil Liberties Union is hailing the order. Peter Sprigg, in Massachusetts, they've been marrying for a while, but they haven't spread to New York. But this is different, isn't it? Right, because uh, Massachusetts um, has a law on the books which has been upheld, uh, which says that uh, people from other states cannot marry in Massachusetts if their marriage would not be uh, permitted in their home state. Uh, This has prevented uh, Massachusetts from exporting same-sex marriage to the rest of the country, if you will. Um, But but the California decision, uh, California does not have such a law, so there is quite a possibility of of, uh, people going to, couples going to California to marry and then coming back to their home state and demanding recognition. And in New York, the governor has said, yes, we'll we'll recognize those marriages. Now, um, that's in spite of the fact that the New York Supreme Court has ruled that that in fact there is no obligation to offer marriage licenses to same-sex couples in New York, but... um, but the the uh, argument, uh, I guess, has been made and has prevailed with uh, at least one court in New York and now with the governor that just because we don't um, officiate at those kind of ceremonies in our state doesn't mean that we can't recognize them from other states. Uh, there's a bit of logical inconsistency there, but uh, there there is kind of a legal loophole there by which uh, he, he can argue that. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Our guest is Peter Sprigg. He's vice president for public, for family, for for policy at the Family Research Council. Peter, uh, I listened to some of the C-SPAN broadcasting of the hearings out in California, the Supreme Court, uh, the court out there. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're talking about is the redefinition of marriage. I know these homosexuals say, "Look, uh, this isn't a threat to marriage or the institution of marriage." But isn't it really a redefinition of marriage? I mean, they're going from man and a woman to man and a man or woman and a woman. Is there a logical um, flow from that, uh, a logical train of thought from that, a line of reasoning that would open the door for polygamy, marriage with animals, marriage with children? What do you think of that? Well, um, this is the thing that a lot of people don't understand. They, they, They are operating on the principle... The court went on at great length about um, the fact that there is a fundamental right to marry. After noting that all parties to the case acknowledge that there is, quote-unquote, a fundamental right to marry, um, 
they they went on and on uh, citing a number of cases uh, to to demonstrate that. But what they what they didn't know was that in every single one of those cases uh, implying that marriage was a fundamental right, the word marriage was defined as the union of a man and a woman. <laughs> the, right. the, the right to marry has all has never meant the right to marry any person of your choice. Um, and even if same-sex marriage is legalized, it will not mean the right to marry anyone of your choice because you still cannot marry a child, you cannot marry a close-blood relative, and you cannot marry a person who's already married. That would be polygamy. Um, but if we are establishing this principle, which in, a, in essence is what the California court did, that, that, um, that if you have a right to marry, you have a right to marry the person of your choice, uh, it doesn't seem like... Uh, there's any logical way in which that could be limited, uh, in which these other restrictions upon your choice of marriage partner could could be upheld, and particularly the one on uh, involving polygamy, because actually, if you look at it anthropologically, cross-culturally, historically, uh, there is a much stronger case to be yes. made for polygamy uh, than there is to be made for same-sex marriage. Mm. Um, although it, it would be a, a very offensive to to most of us, uh, you know, in in uh, America, which is based on a Christian value system. Peter, let me ask you this: is the is really now the only solution here a constitutional amendment, and does this put the issue back on the front burner of national politics, the fall elections, the November elections, the presidential elections? Well. Um, yeah, to, to the first question, the answer is yes, and uh, and the the good news in the only good news in California is that uh, the signatures have already been gathered to put a constitutional amendment on the ballot in November, uh, which would define marriage as the union of a man and a woman, and would effectively uh, reverse this decision by the California Supreme Court. Um, because of that, we're. Uh, Alliance Defense Fund and some other uh, legal advocacy groups have gone to court and said, uh, look, you should issue a stay of this order until um, after the November election, not just until June 17th, as your story earlier noted, um, because otherwise you're going to have a bunch of people who are going to get married and have a legally recognized marriage for four or five months, and then all of a sudden their marriage is not going to be legally recognized anymore. Then Arnold Schwarzenegger may get his wish for a tourism boom this summer. Well, yeah, maybe that's what he has in mind. I don't, I don't know. Um, but as to it becoming a political issue, that is uh, kind of the $64,000 question, I think, um, because um, the two Democratic uh, candidates, both uh, Clinton and Obama, say that they oppose same-sex marriage, although they support uh, benefits for same-sex couples. Now, by that standard, they should be condemning uh, this California decision because California already had a uh, very generous domestic partnership program. Uh, but uh, their their statements, uh, from what I've heard, have been very weak on it. And uh, at the same time, uh, this is an opportunity for uh, John McCain, although he has opposed a federal marriage amendment in the past, it's an opportunity for him to make an issue of this to support the California amendment as well as an amendment in his home state in Arizona and uh, and to express his uh, willingness to uh, veto any change to the Federal Defense of Marriage Act um, which is something that both Obama and Clinton... It sounds did. like a gift to John McCain. Peter Sprigg, thank you. If he will take it. If right. he will take it, and that, that's an open question. Peter, thank you so much for all the work you do there at FRC and thanks for joining us today. 
Thank you. Penny, isn't it true that um, 20 or 30 years ago, uh, homosexual activists didn't want anything to do with marriage? Right. In fact, they were lampooning the idea of the family, the institution of marriage. Well, they didn't, and they were pretty much flaunting their promiscuity, but now they want legitimacy, and that's this is one of the ways they think they can get it. It's not enough to get all these quote-unquote benefits of marriage. It's the word, the name, marriage. Mm. Well, of course, this show is about the Christian worldview. We could go all the way back to the book of Genesis. Uh, God created man in his image, and he created them male and female. This is part of the natural order of things, males and females in marriage, not male and male or female and female. And fast-forwarding to the New Testament, you know, the Apostle Paul has a sin list or a vice list in 1 Corinthians 6, and he's very specific. In 1 Corinthians 6, he uses two words for homosexuality. The first one in the Greek is pronounced arsenikoitos, and it's for the male role in the homosexual relationship. It is very interesting that even male-male homosexuals and female-female homosexual couples still imitate the male-female role. There's a dominant, there's a passive. Uh, They're trying to mimic not just marriage, but the roles in marriage. Paul says that male partner role player, that's sin. He uses another word, malakoi, which is the passive partner the female partner in that so-called relationship. And Paul puts both the male and female role player in the homosexual relationship in that vice list. Now, the good news is this. I mean, he says it's sin, and uh, he says you can't inherit the kingdom of God on that track. But the good news is this. Paul says, such were some of you. But you have been washed, you have been sanctified, you've been justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Uh, Paul says many in the Corinthian church have been changed from this kind of lifestyle, and that's the good news that we offer through Jesus Christ. You can be changed. Now, I want you to listen once again to John McCain. John McCain on Barack Obama. He doesn't understand the situation in Iraq. All right, when we come back... Barack Obama has a major policy problem, and again, he has a new preacher problem, and he's still got this primary problem of Hillary Clinton nipping at his heels. Later in the program, is God replacing porcelain teeth with gold fillings? What do you think about that brand of the charismatic movement? It's Jerry Johnson Live with Penna Dexter. We'll be right back. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. 
You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. He's never had a hearing on NATO and their role in Afghanistan, which is his responsibility. All right, that's John McCain criticizing Barack Obama because he's never held a hearing on NATO and their role in Afghanistan. It's very important right now. So John McCain on the attack today against Barack Obama. Here he is saying he just doesn't get it. He doesn't understand the situation in Iraq. All right. Is Barack Obama a lightweight when it comes to foreign policy and national security? We want your calls. 800-881-9270. Here's John McCain again on Obama. This is now the 872nd day since Senator Obama went to Iraq once. All right. Is Barack Obama ready for prime time as commander-in-chief? Military people, please call in. We want your view. 800-881-9270. Here's McCain one more time on why Barack Obama is not fit to be the commander-in-chief. How do you expect to understand our nation's security requirements unless you go and you see the troops and you listen to General Petraeus? Okay, so McCain is simply saying Obama doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to Iraq. We want to know what you think. The number is 800-881-9270. So Obama today has a policy problem, weak on Iraq. But he also has a preacher problem, Penna. He still has a preacher problem. It's another preacher. I think Jeremiah Wright is still a preacher problem for him, especially in the general election. But there's another one. His name is Father Michael Flager, and he is a friend of Barack Obama. He's been involved in the campaign. He actually preached at Trinity Church in Chicago this past Sunday. And uh, now Barack Obama has had to sort of distance himself from the remarks that were made. And this preacher has had to also apologize. Uh, Really, the remarks had to do with uh, Hillary Clinton. Now, this is a white Catholic preach. Uh, He mocked Hillary Clinton for uh, getting emotional a few weeks ago. Here is part of that audio. When Hillary was crying, and people said that was put on, I really don't believe it was put on. I really believe that she just always thought, this is mine. I'm Bill's wife, I'm white, and this is mine. I just got to get up and step into the plate. And then out of nowhere came, hey, I'm Barack Obama. And she said, oh, where did you come from? I'm white. I'm entitled. There's a black man stealing my show. She wasn't the only one crying. There was a whole lot of white people crying. All right. That's at Trinity Church again. That's Obama's church. But this was a white pastor. Now, this is a man who came to the defense of Jeremiah Wright. Mm -hmm. But uh, that beep was a curse word that we beeped out. And uh, This is church? This is church. I don't know if they preach the word there or just do politics. Same church, a same pulpit, 
and uh, we want your reactions. Is this another preacher problem for Barack Obama? 800-881-9270. The phones are already lighting up. And finally, we say he has still got a primary problem. Here is Hillary Clinton. In America, more democracy is better than less democracy. The more people who vote, the better it is. So we're not interested in preventing any state from being counted. We want everybody to participate. All right, that's Hillary. She's still nipping at his heels, and she's waiting in the wings for a major mistake. There's still time because Obama has the policy problem. He is a lightweight on foreign policy. I mean, he says he will meet with the terrorist and talk. He has one for a friend, this weatherman, underground bomber guy that bombed the Pentagon is his friend. Um, He's really got problems there. He's got this preacher problem, and Hillary is ready. Now, here's what we want, particularly Democrats calling in, 800-881-9270. If you're an Obama supporter, we really want to hear from you. What do you make of this? Is he in the quicksand? 800-881-9270. we got Bob on the line from Terrell. Bob, what do you make of all this? Yes, Dr. Johnson. Uh, Barack Obama shows he's a lightweight on Iran because when he, uh, Iraq, when he talks to uh, General Petraeus, he doesn't act uh, very presidential. Yep. With the uh, preacher problem, he's showing that uh, by the company he keeps, he's uh, showing that the, to the Democrats and to the uh, people in America that that's what kind of people's going to be making up his uh, people in the uh, cabinet. Boy, I hope not. And also by the uh, judges, that's what the kind of judges he's going to be nominating. All right, thanks, Bob. He's not a very good presidential uh, uh, candidate, and he's a a danger to America. It's an abomination if he gets elected. All right, Bob, thanks for those comments. Uh, We've got to move on. We've got other people holding. Again, the number, 800-881-9270. We want people, actually, to uh, come into the defense of Obama. We want to hear from you, whatever your view. We've got Laura on the line from Crescent. Laura, thank you for holding. What's your take on all this? Hi, I'm sorry I can't come to his defense. Uh, Barack Hussein Obama, I agree with you that he's clueless on foreign policy. I actually heard him say in a speech that he uh, would entertain closing down Guantanamo Bay. Yes. So that told me right there how clueless he is on foreign policy because that's a very strategic point for us in the Caribbean. And uh, McCain I'm, has also really said that, though. though. Pardon? McCain has actually also uh, considered that. He would consider closing Guantanamo Bay. Mm. Well, I, I just don't think it's a good idea because it's so strategically located and uh, you know, I agree that, with you. Let's keep the bad guys up there, keep them on there. the island, and let them. Uh, if they escape, they'll be bothering Castro, not us. <laughs> That'd be a lot better. We're going to move on, Laura. Thank you so much for the call. Uh, we've got Joel on the line from Dallas. Joel, what's your view of Obama this week? Well, Mr. Jerry Johnson, I just wanted to, to say that I'm outraged at what the pastor, the the Catholic pastor, said at. At, at the preaching, I mean, this is this is unacceptable. This is a church, and I mean, the church is supposed to be holy. Where's and the ACLU? He, I'm sorry, what's that? Where's the ACLU and Americans United challenging their tax exempt status? Well, I mean, more, more than just that. I mean, come on, we we as Christians, we have to stand up and say this is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if he is, you know, acting like this, I, I teach I teach a Sunday school at my church, and. If my kids, if I was to talk like that to my kids, yeah. how would they look at me? How would they look at the church? We have to stand up as Christians and say, this is not right. And, and I mean, I don't even know who this guy is, but 
but we need to pray hard for this country and for the president who will be president pretty soon, and we just need to stand up and let our voice be heard. Hey, thanks, Joel. You know, this reminds me of uh, Dr. Denny Burke here at Criswell College who wrote an analysis of Jeremiah Wright at the National Press Club a couple of weeks ago. Everybody else was criticizing Wright for his unpatriotic comments um, and his uh, inflammatory language. But Dr. Burke reminded us, as Christians, we should be more concerned at what he said about other ways to heaven besides Jesus, because he clearly said at the National Press Club, look, there are other ways, other religions, uh, Muslims, you know, on the same path sort of a thing. And as Christians, that's a denial of the gospel. And uh, I think Joel is on to something there. There ought to be a greater outrage for Christians at this pulpit, really, um, being abused, and the people, the sheep being abused and misled by an errant shepherd. We've got Richard on the line from Dallas. Richard, what do you make of all this? Well, I find it interesting that this is a Catholic priest in a Christian church, supposedly. And what is really amazing, and there was a lady on a talk show the other night, and she made a good point. She said, forget what he said. It's the way the crowd, the congregation, reacted to it. It sounds like a political rally. Standing up and... Why is the IRS letting churches do this? And I'm sure that's not the only church. I actually have been to a church here in Dallas that's very political, and I'm shocked at what they say sometimes on Sunday morning. But for people to think that he needs to be the next president, because he's been hanging around these people, he went to that church for 20 years, he's heard these sermons, but for this Catholic priest, I can't even believe he's a Catholic priest, but they say he is, and he has a Catholic church in Chicago. So it's amazing that people still think he needs to be the president. Mm. I don't get it. You know, when you hear right and you hear this guy, Flager, this congregation is drinking the Kool-Aid. On When they make these outrageous statements, yeah. they cheer them on. It's incredible. We've got Mike on the line from Colleyville. Mike, thank you for calling. What is your view of Obama this week? Well, unlike the other lady a few minutes ago, I, I, I'm not in support of Obama, so uh, <laughs> sorry about that. I'll keep it short so maybe you can get some of those callers in. But uh, I just I was on my way home from work, and I'd just like to know, since you're a theologian, can you tell me what part of the Bible that was from, from that, uh, <laughs> that gentleman that was speaking in the pulpit, so I can look it up and, and research that for myself, because I've, I've never found that in the Bible. That was from the book of Second Opinions, I think. <laughs> Something like that. That's what I kind of figured. I, I, I'm like, Pena, I, I, was that a church? Yeah, uh, that's a shame, too. Well, we got one more caller. Let's zip on to Jeff from South Lake. Jeff, uh, what's your view? Well, my view is, is that uh, they've got it all wrong. There's not, one, there's not lots of races. There's one race, the human race. Mm. We may have different ethnicities, but there's only one race, and... They've strayed way from the Bible, starting from Genesis. They've missed it entirely. Jeff, we're out of time, but that's an excellent point. Obama has wanted to transcend race, but in fact, these two preachers are race-baiting in this kind of preaching, so they're really sending the wrong message. Uh, When we come back, we're going to go to another kind of a church service, and uh, listen in. Hey, this is Joe. Let's hear what just happened to Joe. I had real bad arthritis in my knees, but I just got healed. I can't jump up and down like this. Ah! Arthritis, you have no hold in here! 
We're going to talk about the charismatic movement. Is it biblical when it comes to this sensational style healing service? Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter. We'll be right back. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. I've had neuropathy in my legs and in my hands. My hands would go numb. I had no feeling in them. They prayed for me tonight, and I felt the heat of his power go through my legs. I felt it in my hands, and I am healed. Nothing about Jesus there, but uh, certainly the sensationalization of healing. This is a charismatic group called Morning Star Ministries. They're claiming that they're in a kind of a charismatic revival. Here's more sound from that service. And dizziness, I was just severe vertigo, and I am healed. I'm moving my neck, and it's not cracking. Praise God. She couldn't raise her hands without pain. All right. That's, again, Rick Joyner of Morningstar Ministries, sound from his service. And there are really some theological questions that come from this kind of a meeting, this kind of service. And that's not that uncommon, really, in America, Penna. And I think a lot of Christians are confused. They want to believe that God heals and still heals but they're uncomfortable with this kind of service. They feel there's something something wrong about this kind of emphasis. And we're bringing in one of our theologians today from Criswell College, Dr. Barry Creamer, who teaches philosophy, theology, and ethics here at Criswell College. Dr. Creamer, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me on. Dr. Creamer, uh, let me just ask you point out, point blank, do you believe that God still heals today? Well, of course I do. Uh, that's uh, not even at, at issue, because God can do all things. Well, let's listen to one more piece of sound here. I do want you to react to this. Hey, this is Joe. Let's hear what just happened to Joe. I have to feel better arthritis in my knees. I just got healed. I can't jump up and down like this. Ah! Woo! Arthritis, you have no hold in here! All right, Dr. Kramer. Uh, the question, does God still heal? You answer yes to that. But uh, what do you make of this sound? Wow. Uh, I listen to things like this, and, and I, I get really frustrated, not, not with the idea that people believe that God still works in their lives and that he has authority over everything, because certainly we pray for people to be healed, and God can miraculously intervene and they be healed. But uh, the fact that people have experiences that are exciting and overwhelming, and then they have their faith because of that experience. Or, in a lot of cases, they even change their doctrine or their beliefs because of that experience. Uh, It tells you what these experiences lead to, and that's a really shaky foundation for our faith. That's that's my real issue uh, with the problem of people believing that spiritual gifts have something to do with uh, revealing that there is a God or revealing that God is able to work in the world. We believe those things because Christ was in the world, conquered death, lives in us, has changed our lives, and has given us a written word that establishes the doctrines that we believe. And if we don't base it on that, well, if, I, if my experiences are what convince me that I'm going to go ahead and have faith in God, 
then when I have a bad experience, I'm going to stop having faith. And that, that's what really troubles me about it. Dr. Barry Creamer is on the line. And Dr. Creamer, I'm not sure if this is the case in these sound bites, but it sounds like it to me. And that is a lot of times in these theologies, uh, it has to do with what you claim. Uh, you say that you're healed. Uh, right. And, you know, when you heard all of these people, it, it really sounded like they were trying to convince themselves. And if you claim it correctly, then your words actually have the power. So compare this with the power that's spoken about uh, in the Word of God. Well, I'm going to tell you, you, you've hit right on the head of of one of the major problems with this whole doctrine, and that is that the emphasis in these kinds of ministries is on the amount of faith you have and your ability to summon it up and to uh, bring it out of yourself with great power. And that's not what faith is about in the Bible. Of course, it is important that we have faith like that. I call it subjective faith because it's what it, what's in us. But subjective faith, no matter how much you have, doesn't change anything unless it's in the right object. It's objective faith, the faith that we have in the right object that makes any difference. And then it's not a matter of having excited faith or summoned up faith. It's just a matter of having put what little tiny bit of trust I have in the right object, and the only right object is Jesus Christ. And when I trust Him, I don't, I don't want to be skeptical of people uh, because they believe that God can change their health or change their lives. I believe that. But I don't want to believe that it's because I just convinced myself that it's true, or I said the right words. It's because Jesus is real, and he actually does change lives. And if I believe that, I don't have to change anything from what I've seen in Scripture and from what's going to be true without having to, you know, foam at the mouth about it. And I hate to say that, but I mean it that way. Well, we're going to listen to more sound about the mouth in a minute, but this is Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter. We're talking to Dr. Barry Creamer. About Rick Joyner and Morning Star Ministries, let's listen to some more sound. I looked in the mirror and I have two new gold teeth. Now I don't I don't mean two gold fillings. They were porcelain and now they are gold. Alright, from porcelain teeth to gold teeth. And it seems like it would be better just to get teeth again, actually. But uh, I want to move to a more serious question, Dr. Kramer, because this does boil down to theology, doctrine, the New Testament, and what it teaches. And uh, I'm looking at Rick Joyner. Uh, He's emphasizing apostolic restoration. I want to read a couple of quotes to you. He is saying uh, that... He's expecting a new wave of ministries about to be released with extraordinary prophetic gifts. There will almost be a general openness to this as men of true apostolic authority with a true apostolic lifestyle take their place in leadership. And here's my question for you. It does seem, as we read the New Testament, that there were apostles, and for a time these apostles had extraordinary gifts. It wasn't just that God was healing people, but it seems like there was something unusual happening through the life and ministry of the apostles. Here's my question. Is the apostolic office still valid today in your view, biblically, New uh, Testament-wise? Also, are there some gifts from the New Testament period that have ceased? Do you believe they're all still operative today? What do you think? Well, certainly, uh, I mean, everybody I know of believes that some gifts have ceased, uh, just thinking in very broad terms. There are some things that we don't do now that we used to do. Otherwise, you would have to embrace the view that the Scripture is still being written. And in fact, 
Uh, that's the big problem. You asked if I believe the office of the apostle is still valid today. The answer to that is absolutely not, because the office of the apostle was what gave authority to the scriptures when they were written. And if we're going to embrace the idea that the office of apostle is still valid, we might as well just grab a bunch of wives, move out to El Dorado, and start having kids. <laughs> because there's nothing to separate us from that kind of heresy. The thing that separates us from it is uh, the fact that God's revelation is complete in his word, and that's the final authority in all matters of faith and practice. That's where we go. And there is apostolic power, but it's in the communicating of the word. That's why the, the power of God is in the word, both in Romans 1 and 1 Corinthians 1 and throughout the New Testament. You don't find the power of God in these strange miracles. You find it in the word. And when the miracles happened, it was in order to establish the authority of the word for us. So if we go to these miracles for power... We're just undermining the whole message God has given us through His Word. All right, here's the big controversy that happens in uh, many churches, though, today, and that is a lot of this is often uh, accompanied by speaking in tongues. Right. We've had debates here on this program about using tongues as a private prayer language. Right. Uh, But what about the gift of tongues that was spoken of in the New Testament? Sure, and so I've got uh, about two hours to address this. (laughs) Right. Right. No, about two minutes. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I'll just say this. You know, I, I don't believe in tongues, and I don't mean that personally. I mean, uh, I don't practice it or believe in it for myself, and I don't believe in it when others do it either. Now, I'm just saying that to put it up front. Uh, when people Why? practice tongues, I can't make any sense of what they think they're doing. If they think they're speaking to God, they should speak in a language they understand so they can pray with the Spirit and the understanding. If they don't think they're speaking to God, they're speaking to someone else, then they should speak in a language the other person can understand so that God's Word can be the source of the authority and not this strange gift that they say has been bestowed upon them for some reason beyond our knowledge. Once the Word is put down in black and white for us, that's the only authority I want to appeal to when I'm telling someone else what God has said. Uh, I can certainly pray and have an experience that's personal and understand something that God is leading me to do, to take a particular church or to go to a particular ministry. I can certainly believe that, but I can never take that to someone else and say it has some authority over them, because my experiences are just personal experiences. They don't have that kind of authority in my life. But the Word of God, that has final authority in my life. And if I take any other position, including this idea that when I'm speaking in tongues, I have some ecstatic gift from God that He's given me, I can have that experience, and I could see somebody having that experience and uh, not saying anything authoritative from it, not saying that there's any great uh, change that comes from it, but then what was it for? What, What was it about? So when these gifts are associated with the word sign, then they become invalid because the word is complete, and we don't need any authority outside of the scriptures and then the holiness that it produces in us to give evidence to others that Christ is real and that he can actually transform All right. our lives. Dr. Barry Creamer, that's the final word. Thanks for being with us. We've got to go. I'll tell you this, though, this idea of continuing revelation. There is a problem here with Rick Joyner, far greater than the healing controversy. Uh, he says that God reveals to him um, the special words. Uh, here's a quote, Penna. He says, There is a tendency to continue relating to Jesus as the man from Galilee. Jesus is not a man. He was and is spirit. Now that's heresy, Penna. Uh, and he claims it's a revelation. Jesus is a man now. He is a man. He is not a spirit right now. He took on humanity, the incarnation. He is a man. 
but he claims through this revelation that Jesus is not a man. Well, that's Rick Joyner and Morningstar Ministries. When we come back, we're going to contrast that to Dr. W.A. Criswell. You've never heard sound like this. And also a little update on uh, Scott McClellan. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. All right, former press secretary Scott McClellan has been in the news, and uh, he's written a sort of kiss-and-tell book, uh, criticizing President Bush. He says President Bush was not open, not forthright when it came to Iraq and why we invaded Iraq. Uh, here's Scott McClellan explaining this book. Well, because I believe it's important to look back and reflect on my experience and talk to people about what I learned and what we can learn from it to hopefully change Washington for the better. Uh, the, the larger message has kind of been lost in the mix uh, of some of the initial reaction to the book. And I think it's important to go to that larger message. My hope is that by writing this book and sharing openly and honestly my what I lived and what I learned during my time at the White House, that in some small way it might help move us beyond the destructive partisan warfare of the past 15 you- years. All right, Penny, he says he wants to end uh, the partisan warfare. Hasn't he played into that partisan warfare this week by releasing this book at a time of war? Well, he certainly has. And I've just got a few thoughts on this. Number one is he may come by this naturally, because you've got to remember his mother is Carol Keaton Strayhorn. She's run for governor in this state. She was mayor of Austin. She's been a Democrat, a Republican, and an independent. Uh, She was very critical of members of her own party, including when she was a Republican, including Governor Perry and also leaders in the legislature. She ran to the left of Perry. Right. So, you know, what, there's not really a loyal uh, sort of a bloodline there One <laughs> to a party. One Right, yeah. And uh, also, though, uh, he was asked, uh, McClellan was asked uh, by Katie Couric on um, NBC's or CBS's Evening News whether uh, he would be backing John McCain for president. And he would not say that he was. As a matter of fact, he said he was intrigued by Senator Obama's message. And this oh, really? is what I think is very interesting. Here's another piece of information. This comes out of an editorial in the Wall Street Journal today, uh, that this book was uh, published by an outfit called Public Affairs, and this was founded by the left-wing editor Peter Osnos. They have published six books by George Soros, 
who couldn't be further to the left. Uh, he was this Osnos was editor at large and worked very closely with McClellan as he wrote the book. And as a matter of fact, it sounds like Osnos pushed him to be critical of the administration, uh, that uh, McClellan didn't start out that way when he began to write the book. And it's very interesting, as you said, that it comes out right now, because what it's doing is it's saying, okay, the surge is working now, and McCain was part of pushing that surge. So to to sort of remove and pull the rug out from under any benefit McCain gets, this book comes out right at this time in the campaign to sort of change the story. Well, this guy has very shallow roots, evidently, and uh, I think it's certainly disingenuous for him to say uh, he wants to change the politics of Washington. He doesn't want to play into the partisanship. He went straight to Keith Oberman last night and did an expose on Keith Oberman's show. That is the far left Mm -hmm. cable news show. I mean, Oberman hates George Bush, and uh, this really played right into his agenda, and so... Certainly, McClellan uh, has dealt with the press for years. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's selling books by criticizing the president. He was privy to private uh, information. And um, all of his colleagues, former colleagues, say, you know, we never saw this. We never saw the doubts. We never saw uncertainty. He never voiced opposition. They're shocked. And it's going to be fascinating to see, you know, if this has any impact. But I happen to think in a time of war, a time of terrorism and a build up to elections, uh, it's just an unacceptable kind of a disloyalty to a president who appointed him to that position. And has always been very gracious to him. Yes. Well, uh, another breaking news story today. Former British Prime Minister Tony Blair is starting a foundation dedicated to fostering understanding among different religions. Blair says the world must work to end religious conflict or face catastrophe. Well, we'll follow up that story as it develops. That'll be interesting. Is he talking about Islam? Well, he just switched from um, Anglican to Catholic, so a Church of England to Catholic himself. Well, we're excited about this Sunday night at 7 o'clock. Dr. W.A. Criswell preaching on wacriswell.com. 7 o'clock, Sunday night, KCBI, KCRN, KSYE. And he's preaching a message called The Preeminence of Christ. Now, we've heard some wild sound today. We've heard it from Barack Obama's church. We've heard it from uh, this charismatic church out in North Carolina. And these people are all excited about false doctrine and heresy and political left-leaning talk. What you're going to hear in this sound, in this sermon on Sunday night, is Dr. Criswell preaching about Jesus, preaching about Christ. And uh, when you're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, it's great to hear Christians get excited. That's what you're going to hear in this sermon this Sunday night at 7 o'clock. Dr. W.A. Criswell, the founder of Criswell College, longtime pastor of First Baptist Church, Dallas. And I want to give you a snippet again. This is the conclusion of his sermon, The Preeminent Christ. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Ye chosen seed of Israel's race, ye ransomed from the fall, hail him who saves you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Our glorious, living, preeminent Christ, our God, 
Amen. Well, Penna, those people are getting excited about Jesus. Uh, and I think if you listen to this sermon on Sunday night, again, 7 o'clock, wachriswell.com, you'll feel kind of silly talking about arthritis or gold teeth. I turn to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 5. This is going to be the scene in heaven. Ten thousand and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is under heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. When you think about the person of Jesus Christ... He is God in the flesh. He is the God-man. When you think about the work of Jesus Christ, He is the one who became a man. He is the one who lived a sinless life. He is the one who obeyed the law. He is the one who pleased the Father. He is the one who died on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven and restored to God in proper relationship. He is the one who rose from the dead. He is the one who ascended to heaven. He is the one who rules and reigns and who will return to take over the government of this earth and to come back for his church. That's Jesus. That's something to be excited about. He is worthy. Listen to that sermon, 7 o'clock, Sunday night, wacriswell.com. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter. See you next week. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.